Hey, this is Rachel True, and you're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. I try to discover a little something to make me sweeter. Oh, baby, you know, MC, it's funny that it took a um, quarantine where everybody pretty much has to stay home to finally get us to sit down and record this podcast about you season two that we've been meaning to do for like three months now. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, man, we really need to do this. We really, really need to do this. And it's like, like well, I can't go out anywhere. Well, I guess now well, we have time now. Don't <laughs> better time than the present. Exactly. And like, I, I really, the funny thing about this show is like for, if you look at it on the surface, there's really no reason that I would even be interested in this because this, originally this is like a lifetime series and yep. like it just didn't really like speak to me. I was like, eh, I don't care. And then I wa- we saw it like come on Netflix uh, for season one and we were like, oh, this looks interesting. Let's give it an episode or two. And that shit was captivating. <laughs> right. Like I, I was like, all right, we got to watch this. And like. Well, we're going to delve into all of this, obviously, as we, like, really hit all the high points. But I definitely want to um, welcome everybody uh, to another episode of... I don't even know what we're calling this. Are we calling this... Overflow on the mic? Overflow on the mic? I like it. Yeah, it's yeah, our, yeah, yeah. our, our mashup. It's the mic on the mic meets uh, the overflow with MC Brooks. When it's just the two of us talking about the things that we like to talk about. My name is Mike Lunsford. I'm the editor-in-chief of uh, The Great Geek Refuge. You guys, check it out. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. Joining me in this mashup, we have the host of The Overflow. It's also a very talented musician as well. Uh, if you're at a local, and by local I mean the DC metro area, if you're at a local comic book convention, you probably see him out there doing his thing because he is our Comic-Con uh, expert extraordinaire, and his name is MC Brooks. Hello, hello. Dude, we haven't even gotten to announce on the airwaves. Holy shit, yeah. we need to make it a mic on the mic, Overflow mashup, Overflow on the mic exclusive um, that we get to have our own goddamn panel at Awesome yes, Goddamn deal. That is, yeah, it's it's enormous, and like it still hasn't completely registered just yet. Like, yeah. wow, we're I'm gonna be in charge of a panel. I'm gonna be on stage. I'm gonna be the person the people are coming to see. I mean, others will be with us, of course, and we'll get into that in a second. But like, I'm the talent. <laughs> yeah, people are gonna be there to come see us and see what we do and what we talk about. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm so overjoyed by this. Like, I'm I'm so excited. And there's a selfish part of me that wants um, the coronavirus to postpone this thing by like a week, right? Like, because <laughs> um, full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to actually be able to physically attend uh, Awesome Con this year because uh, my family and I will be in Disney World on vacation. But also, too. Side note, I got a really, really cool uh, opportunity to do some cool stuff with uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge that I, I'll, I'll tell you guys more once it happens because I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I just, I, I worked some stuff out. I might get some exclusive access. Fingers crossed. I hope I do because this might be a huge thing for GGR to have like happen within a couple of days of each other. Like two of the biggest things that we might get to be part of um, might happen like right on top of each other. But at any rate... Uh, we've already worked it out so that like um, that day we're not actually doing anything. We're not going to be out and about like in the parks We're it's just going to be like a hangout in the resort, swim at the pool kind of day. And I told Sandy about when the, the, uh, the panel was. So she booked me a poolside cabana. So like I'm going to be 
like the bougiest asshole ever. It's <laughs> like, oh, sorry, I couldn't be at my own panel, but uh, I got a poolside cabana, so it's kind of pretty, pretty big deal. You know, I got bottle service here. You know, whatevs. Like, it's, I'm gonna be such a douchebag. Like, for for a thing for a website whose like motto is "Don't be a juice bag," and I'm gonna be like the juiciest, the of juice biggest bag. juice bag there is. <laughs> the king Vinci juice, bag. juice bag here. It is, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But, like, I just, I wanted to gush about that. I think when we do um, our show this upcoming Thursday with me and Steve, we'll probably gush about it a little bit more. But um, let's keep the gushing to a minimum, and let's jump right into this thing that we've been trying to do for, God knows, like three months now. Uh, but it's Mike. It's MC. We're talking you. We're going to talk season one and season two a little bit just to kind of give uh, a refresher because we did talk about season one once before, but we'll talk about season two exclusively. And then we're going to talk about some other stuff that we're watching now that we're all quarantined and for the foreseeable future. But it's another episode of Overflow on the Mic on GGR Pirate Radio, and it's starting right now. Listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. You're listening to Overflow on the Mic, a GGR mashup of epic proportions. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is another episode of Overflow on the Mic with my co-host, you know him, you love him, his name is MC Brooks. Hello, hello again. I am so excited because I found this silver lining of being stuck at home, and that is all of this antisocial behavior that we engage in, um, and by we I mean like all of us here at uh, The Great Geek Refuge of writing articles about things that we're watching, movies that we've seen, TV shows that we've seen, and sharing them with everybody else. They're actually really, really important right now because nobody can go out and do anything other than sit at home and watch TV and watch movies. So it's like, man, we were really ahead of the curve on this one, weren't we? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so foresight. Exactly, right? So all of you uh, folks out there who are not going out, and thank you if you're not going out and you're not spreading this virus, that is potentially dangerous and deadly. Thank you for not spreading it. And uh, thank you for being part of the solution and not part of the problem. Um, but let's jump in. 
right now to a show that uh, it premiered in December. It was the second season. Uh, it's called You. And I, I am just in in awe of this series because, like, I I can't stop watching it. Like, and I don't mean, like, I just have it, like, on constant loop. But what I mean is, is, like, I've never gotten bored with it. So season one, fantastic, phenomenal. Season two was just as good, if not better. It was different in certain ways, but it, it, it was just as good. And, like, for comparison's sake, um, there was a show on Hulu called Castle Rock, um, and it's all it's based on like all of the different things that Stephen King has written. If it was all like a shared universe, like a new story in that universe. Right. The first season was phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. Couldn't stop watching that season two. I'm like halfway through and it came out in like October and I could care less. Like I just have not been interested in going back to it. Not that it's bad, but it's just not nearly as captivating as it was the first time around. And you is the exact opposite. Like you can't help but binge watch this series. Mm-hmm. And like whether that's by design or whether just by just fantastic writing, fantastic acting, like I- I'm not sure. But like what is like what is it about this show, MC, that just like makes you want to like fly through this as fast as you possibly can? I think it's a combination of those two things you listed. Fantastic writing and fantastic acting. Because if you if you think about it. On just its print, if you strip the premise down to to the bare minimum, it doesn't sound all that interesting. Like, oh yeah, this this guy's a uh, this guy's a stalker, stalking stalking uh, someone that he claims that he loves, and is killing people because he wants to be with her. Like on on the surface, that that doesn't sound all that enticing. Like it's like whatever, you know, I'll get around to that, whatever. But then. From the opening, from the opening moments of episode one and season one, you know, just just that opening monologue, it 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 grabs you in right from the beginning, and then it causes you to be conflicted because of the writing, because of how the character, the the main character Joe, is both written and how he's presented, and, and Pin Badgley did, did does a great job, kind of doing kind of doing this role in in being very charismatic and very persuasive and very like attractive but at the same time being like all of these negative things that you know are bad yet you can't help but find yourself rooting for him yeah i mean that's that that crystallizes it it really does because the funny thing about this show is the and we've mentioned this before you you kind of like you love the villain and not like this isn't like Magneto from the right. X-Men when played by um Michael Fassbender, where it's like he's such a good actor. You still know he's a villain, but you're kind of like I kind of like this dude, you know? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's obvious that Joe is a bad guy. He's a murderer, right. like clear cut to the bone. This is what he is. Right. But. And I think it has a lot to do with the way that the show is is delivered because mm-hmm. you get an insight into Joe's mind. And Joe is very relatable because what he's talking about, all these things that he has problems with, the things that bother him, the things that irk him, like and he'll justify the murdering of somebody because they're, you know, they're a scumbag or they're a piece of shit or whatever terminology he uses. <laughs> and you're kind of like, 
Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. That one dude. What was his name in the first season? Benji. Oh, Benji. Yeah. Oh God, he was such a douchebag. Yeah. And like when he, when Joe kills him, you're just like, eh, yeah. Oh, uh, all right, uh, I can see right. it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really have an like, issue with it, but you're like, he literally just murdered somebody. Yeah. Exactly. But like as you're watching it, you're kind of like. Well, yeah, you know, he is kind of a piece of shit. So good for you, Joe. And like, it's it's still so wrong. He murdered him. It's right. But and Joe. I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, and I, I think that insight into Joe's mind is yeah. is what causes a lot of the conflict that we as the viewer has uh, while watching because. Nine out of ten times, most of us don't really know anyone who's a stalker. Like most of our. Uh, mo- like most of our information about what like stalkers are, is stuff that we've seen on like other t- other uh, forms of television shows or movies, stuff we yeah. perhaps have read about, so on and so forth. So you don't, and even in getting that, you don't generally get the insight. The thing you know about them is, you know, this person is stalking this other person, and you want them to stop, and so on and so forth. But with Joe. You know, it, it presents Joe as if he's just kind of like a regular old guy, just like you or me. He just happens to stalk, <laughs> stalk and, and murder and and do all of this really evil stuff uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. That if if you did not have that insight into him, it'd be it's very easy to, to throw Joe away and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. F this guy. This guy's trash. No, 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 no. He's he got to be dealt with. Instead, you're like, oh, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I, I understand. Yeah, I, I totally understand. <laughs> yeah, it totally it makes it makes sense. And that's that's the worst part about it is like, I think that that's why it, that's, and you made a perfect example, too, man. That was a really good point about like how we've seen shows and things like documentaries on like, oh, here's this stalker. Here's this murderer. And because of the the distance that you get from like a documentary where it's like. Um, I'm trying to think of like those those shows like the murder the murder shows basically is the, the best way to describe them yeah, where they're talking minds, about like yeah. yeah well not even so much like criminal minds but like the more like documentary style oh, stuff yeah, yeah, okay. like oh such and such person stalked this person every day and and took pictures and sent text messages and would follow them to work and because of the way it's being laid out you're just like oh this guy's obviously creepy and he's freaky and, and like look at these pictures because they give a slant to it where they're making it making him look even creepier than he actually is. I mean, the act itself is creepy enough, but like once you take away that like the safety of distance and you hear what Joe's thinking, like that that's what makes it so like un, you can understand because we've all felt that way, right. you know? Like I can't I don't I don't think that there's ever been a dude who's ever like I mean, I'm sure that there are some who are like way more advanced than I was when I was younger. But like mm-hmm. you see a girl, you really like her, you get along with her really, really well, and she's dating a dude who's just such a dick. Right. And you're just like, I just wish she would see how much of an asshole he really is. Yeah. You know? Like This is basically and, the plot of every emo song from like the mid the early to mid two thousands. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah. It's but yeah, we've we've all been there because you're like, oh, if only she saw like how much of a sack of shit this guy was. But Joe takes it the next level because yeah. he can one, he proves it, but then two, you know, he locks him in his little murder box and then kills them. Like again, it's not right. He shouldn't be doing any of that. But like it's the point that it's like it, it it's 
cathartic in a way. It's therapeutic for us because we're like, oh, the guy who deserves to get his just desserts is getting it. Now, yeah. it do they deserve to die? No, I don't think any of them deserve no. to die. I mean, I think in season two, and, and by the way, guys, spoiler alert for season two, because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Um, I think that guy, Hendy, probably deserved it. Hendy. I think. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one play, cre- uh, played by yeah. Chris Delia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Chris Delia. Um, I think he deserved it because of well, all the things that he did. But at the same time, too, did he deserve to die for what he did? And that's the thing is like yeah. then it becomes yeah it, it becomes a whole nother level of, of of stuff like was he justified in doing it maybe but like shouldn't he have been like I feel like the the more just dessert would have been like for him to be publicly exposed yeah 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 and and it also brings up uh, uh, questions of like who why do you get to make the decision of who gets to live and die in this particular, in these particular scenarios. Like why are, like what gives Joe the authority? Why, why does he have it over someone else? Like the, um, the police officer who may have just wanted to arrest the dude and, and have him prosecuted. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's, that's even too, if you, if you really break it down, isn't that what the investigative journalist sister, like the older sister, I can't remember her name right now. Um, oh, um, that's what she was trying to do. Like she wasn't trying to kill him. She was trying to expose him. And I can't remember Daisy? her name right Um, it might've been, I can't remember her now. I know the younger daughter was, um, what's it called? She was crap. <laughs> I don't know any <laughs> of her names. Well, yeah, we really love this show, right? We don't even know the names of the actors and actresses that are in it. Delilah. Um, yeah, Delilah, Delilah was the older sister, right? And Ellie was the Ellie was sister. the younger one, yeah. Yeah, so Delilah was like a like a part-time investigative journalist and like she really wanted to expose um Hendy for what he had done, rightfully so because she had done it to him too, but like it I really liked the way that they tried to break that down and really show you that like it wasn't all it wasn't all what you just assumed. And then when you found out that Hendy did in fact drug Ellie it really like you were like, OK, no, this dude is a piece of shit. OK. And then like it seemed like Joe, well, Joe's plan was not to kill him. But then, you know, he fucked up as he tends to do. Right. And he had he accidentally killed him. So it was interesting, to say the least. And like here's the other thing, too. I mean, we already knew that the L.A. cops were were, were like inept from, you know, O.J. and various <laughs> yeah. other things. But, like, right. boy, did they boy, did they play that true to life with this one? They were like, yeah, it's suicide, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it just killed me though man because i was like I, I literally sat there and thought about it i was like oh he's he's toast man his evidence is all over the place and then like my Absolutely. wife my wife looked at me and she's like yeah it's la cops they're not gonna catch him and i was like eh, <laughs> oh how right she was she ended she was. up being <laughs> she exactly right but like yeah go ahead dude i was gonna say and that that also kind of speaks to i guess another reason of Another reason that the show is so interesting and and so captivating to watch is just Joe finds himself in just these scenarios and you're like, how is he going to get out of this? There's there's no way he's going to talk or or get out. Like, how how on earth is he not going to get caught here? And then somehow through some 
through through some method, he finds he he finds a way out of it without getting caught or uh, or anything like that. And 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 that's like that's that's always the th- I think that's a big thing. And that when I was watching the like a lot of the social media response, even before having watched either season of the show, like that that was that was the big thing that that everyone seemed to be wondering is just like how like how is he like how is he hiding over here watching in this public spot and like not getting spotted by somebody cuz it doesn't seem like he takes a ton of precautions yeah. to not get caught he'll just go out and just like get... oh yeah i'm just going to put a hat on and just kind of <laughs> kind of be over here at a 53 degree angle you know from where they're sitting and what's going to see you got a hat i'm completely <laughs> different now there's no possible <laughs> right or even with beck like i feel like i feel like he was outside of her open window apartment every episode dude, dude i'm like fucking jerking off on like somebody's right. front porch <laughs> and i'm like how like how does nobody nobody sees him like okay beck doesn't see him fine but like her neighbors none of the other people in the neighborhood no one is just like huh this guy over here this guy over here with the with the frizzy hair sure seems to be staring into this apartment every day multiple times a day you know <laughs> has I been think for a while <laughs> I think there's a psychological explanation for this too, though, because like think think about like how many times you'll see like on the news they talk about like oh so and so murdered his entire family and chopped them all up into pieces and like they'll talk to the neighbors and neighbors are like oh he was just such a nice guy you know like he he helped me get my cat down from a tree one time mm-hmm. like not noticing that he was covered in blood while he was helping them get the cat down from the tree right like because people don't notice shit they really don't like it sounds it sounds dumb but like most people are not hyper vigilant of every single detail that's going on in life and like Penn Badgley has actually pointed this out on on social media on most, multiple occasions um most people are willing to go a long way to forgive a handsome white dude yep. and like like if you think like oh man there's a whole bunch of murder like somebody just got murdered like right here in the middle of the street most people are not going to turn and look at like you know joe goldberg and be like oh it had to have been him they're yeah, gonna that guy exactly that guy like, innocent. yeah the nice white the nice, nice looking white guy with the with the good smile and the good teeth and the clean clothes like of course they're not gonna think him because that's society at at large for the most part is they want to just kind of like let that shit slide it's not right in right. fact it's the exact opposite of it but like that's he's he's got a really good point like i think his quote and i actually even have it in here let me see if i can find it um here he goes um i think the log line of lifetime uh, the network that the season one was on is how far are you willing to go for love but i always like to know that's not what it is to me it's how far are we willing to go to forgive an evil white man like he's got a really good point dude yeah and i was gonna say we actually see this kind of illustrated in season one if you remember um the, the 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 neighbor with the that was uh, dating the abusive cop. You yes. remember the uh, they had that whole thing where the abusive cop was trying to show Joe like, oh, he spends all this time in this place over here. And, you know, Joe being prepared has an excuse for everything. Like, oh, yeah. You know, starting his garden over here, you know, all this and over here. And like, he's just very charismatic and just kind of playing it off. And like the two police officers that were there were like, really, this guy, this guy's not a murderer. Come on. Really? Yeah. And, and and that's that just goes to show just what they like they they thought it was ridiculous to begin with, but then yeah. even when Joe just showed the most basic of of uh, alibis, 
It's like, oh, yeah. He's a, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, totally couldn't be this guy. You're tripping, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's that that's what's so captivating about this show is like part of it for me is one I've been in Joe's shoes as far as like, man, you know, I, I really like this person. I really think that if they would just open their eyes and see what's really going on sort of thing. But like, that was when I was younger and like the older I get, the more I realize like that's a really shitty way of looking at life and looking at people in general. Cause people are going to make the decisions that they want one way or the other. Right. And like you present the facts and you can say, look, Look, this is the dude that, you know, you, you keep saying how great he is, but this is what I've seen. If they're like, oh, well, you don't know him like I do. You know what? Cool. I'm sure that <laughs> out on the outside, he, uh, you know, from what I'm seeing, he's just a scumbag, but I'm sure he's a wonderful, wonderful person. And then you move on. Don't waste your time anymore. Like, but like what we're seeing with this is that like Joe has these tendencies, these like obsessive moments where he like really clamps down on this like one thing. Cause think about it with, um, with Beck in season one, man, he like just, he like put her on a pedestal. Right. And just like worshiped at, at the altar of Beck. And then we start to find out that Beck's a piece of shit. Like she really is like, that sounds awful because he ends up murdering her, but it's kind of true. Beck is kind of a scumbag. And it, it's to the point where, when he ends up killing her in the end, you're almost just like, well, she deserved it. She didn't deserve it. No one deserves it. Oh, yeah, she didn't. It. Yeah. But like she's she's like the, she's the poster child for white privilege. Like so is he for ultimately when you break it down. But like she is she is just so she's so entitled. She's so like shitty. She's a shitty person, man. Like she right. sat there and lied to Joe for like days and days and days about the relationship with Dr. Nikki. And he called her on it. He was like, you're cheating. And she's like, I would never do that, Joe. Totally fucking Uncle Jesse. Like it was nothing. And then when he when he finds out, he kind of lost his shit. And she's just like, you're making a big deal out of this. bitch. you lied. Like you still don't <laughs> deserve to die. But like you, yeah. still, you fucking lied. Lied yeah. because of selfish reasons because you wanted to bang uncle jesse which honestly any girl in the tw in her 20s or 30s probably does because you know <laughs> they grew up watching full house i get it right, right. like there's probably a lot of dudes out there that want to bang uncle jesse i get that but like it just it just really showcases like how selfish everybody was in season one like absolutely yep. everybody was so self-absorbed her friend peach peach sound oh, was just, just as bad i disliked her from jump Oh, and, and, then, and, and then just discovering kind of like who Peach actually was. Yeah. And like all the stuff that she was doing and like why she was doing it. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm like not to, again, not to justify Joe, but I was like, you know what? I'm OK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not mad at this. <laughs> I can't it, was, it was a little I unexpected. I won't lie. I, I, it did catch me off guard because it, it, it did catch me off guard. But I wasn't uh, like I wasn't upset that it happened either. I was surprised it happened. I wasn't upset that it happened because I was like, Peach is terrible. Peach yeah. is a terrible character. Like I, I'm, I'm totally okay with. I'm totally okay with her, with that. Well, that was the one thing that I really wanted to point out with this too. Is the more and more I pull apart at this onion that that was season one of this, every single one of those people was a poster child of privilege. And I'm not using the white privilege word again. I'm saying privilege in general because none of them had had bad shit happen to them. What was the worst thing that happened to Beck? Oh, her parents got divorced. Oh, man, that sure does suck. Your dad buys you these extravagant dresses so that you can go cosplay with them. Like, oh, fucking, fucking poor you. Like, 
That's what I'm saying. And like even Peach, like Peach was is rich as shit, right? Because of like, her, it was her uncle that was JD Salinger, right? I think or something so. like that. Yeah. yeah. Either way, I mean, it's part of is that's where the riches come from. Yeah. The fact that she had a uh, rich, famous family member. But that's that's kind of my point too. Is like none of Peach's friends or none of Peach, none of um, Beck's friends really had to go through any struggle in their life whatsoever at all. Like none of them, not a single one of them. And like same thing with Beck. Like their biggest. I want to write, but I'm not very creative. It's just like uh, fucking deal with it. Like what do you want? What do you want to hear from me? Like. And and that was the whole first season. Like the only one that really had to struggle, and I can't even remember her name. It was the um, it was the African American woman that Joe started dating like after Beck, and oh, then ended up um, dumping for Beck. Like first off, she uh, was awesome. Like she was like giving Joe like real shit. She was like, "You need to grow. You need to grow the fuck up, dude." And he was just like, "Yeah, you're probably right." And then didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't remember I don't remember her name. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. But like at first I was like he got together with her and I was like, wait, OK, maybe this is going to go a different Karen. route than I thought. Karen. Karen. Yeah. Karen yeah. Minty. Yeah. Yeah. Karen was 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 such a better mix for Joe. And like that's the but problem like, with this, too, man, is like um, I'll, I'll finish up and then I'll let you yeah. jump in. Um, That's the problem with this, though, man, is this is the exact thing that's wrong with so many. And, and again, too, not saying that it's that I didn't do this. We've all done this. You meet somebody that's the right person for you, but you're still obsessed with this person. That was like, you, Oh, they're my true love. Like first off, true love doesn't exist. Let me just blow that shit to pieces right now for yep. you. Okay. Cause love is not something that is magical and just happens. Okay. It's something you work on, but that's what happened. Joe was like, Oh, I've got this really good thing with this other girl who's got her shit together. Who's actually like a functional adult. Whereas I have Beck, this, this girl this this child who still like is in like desperate need of like becoming an adult but i'm still i'm attracted to her more and like just just nobody gets it like nobody understands that none of that shit matters and like it's it's a i guess that's why like so many young people like this show is because it fits with their mindset like mm-hmm. that's that's exactly what they're looking for when it comes to that sort of thing is they want somebody who they 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 can there's a song lyric from one of my favorite musicians a guy named jamie cullum and he says i can't separate love from lust and that's exactly what i think uh, is this so many people fall into the trap of is they confuse like like actual love with like just feeling lust yeah i i i I agree with that 100 110 um but i think i think in joe's case too I mean, he doesn't. It, I think in his case, it's it's, and they kind of explore this a little bit in season two. But he doesn't actually even know what love is. Like yeah. he just has this really warped idea of what it is, what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to feel like, what's what it sounds like, what they're supposed like, how they're supposed to be, and this kind of fuels kind of a lot of his actions too. So that when whomever the person is. When they fall short of that, then well, it's a wrap. We 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 saw this with uh, with Candace, saw this with Beck. <laughs> uh, we didn't see it with Karen. Uh, but the 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 point I wanted to make with with Karen was that like, I, just personally, I was very happy she got away. Cause I, yeah, right. Because <laughs> we do have to remember that Joe is like he's still a bad guy here. And like I I remember 
uh, even before I got to it, like there were so many people upset that Joe like dumped her and so on and so forth. I'm like, yo, you should be ecstatic because she's not going to be a victim. Guess <laughs> she's like, not getting she's murdered. Not, you know, she's not going to be next. Like if it, if anything, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy she's going to get away. She's going to she's going to get to live the rest of her life <laughs> without you know possibly uh, being murdered for not being back or for uh, for not being back in some form or fashion or for doing something that caused that disrupts this perfect utopia that he's constructed in, in his head of what love is supposed to be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, season two. All right. So we talked a lot about season one, season two. I mean, he did start growing a little bit, but at the same time, still a fucking murderer. Cause he goes right back to his old ways. Um, side note. I had no idea that the dude, um, the the will that he kidnapped was uh, Robin Lord Taylor, um, Penguin from uh, from Gotham. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him. But yeah, that's him. I have to do a side-by-side. Holy, wow. Yeah, right? Like, uh, he, wow, yeah, he I looks did not realize different. it. Yeah, he looks completely different in this. But um, season two went to some places that I was not expecting at all. Like there's that scene where um, the dude is looking for the real will, but because Joe has taken on that name to hide himself, like that guy comes and cuts off his fucking finger. I was like, oh shit, is this real? I was like, is this like a bad dream? Is he like, is he imagining this? I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, man. Like it was, that was fucking nuts. Like I literally messaged you when that happened. It was like, what did that happen? Like, this is real. (laughs) <laughs> We're in episode one. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And he's getting his fucking finger chopped up. Yeah, it was it was nuts. <laughs> but then, like, he let ahead. that he let that dude go. Like, he let he let Will go eventually after Will helped him out. But like, he ended up killing that um, I guess that hitman or whatever the hell he was. Like the yeah yeah the, yeah, the bookie that was looking for the money. Like that was. Again, though, again, he murdered somebody, but at the same time, it's kind of like he murdered a bad guy. So it's kind of like a whole Dexter thing where it's like, did he really did he do something bad there? Or was that like a like a net positive sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and you you do actually kind of get that feeling, um, especially early in season two, that that he is actually trying to be better that he's trying to not get obsessed. I mean, like in 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 the case with with love, he like he's openly like rejecting her advances, and you know doing just doing the exact opposite of things he was doing with Beck because he was trying to not fall down that same rabbit hole. Yeah. He and and and, and even in in like even in, in I think in and I think in his case like he partially just couldn't help it because love was so persistent because she kept, she kept doing things for him that like he, I felt, I think he was ultimately going to eventually talk himself back into her kind of regardless of what happened. But we, we did at least get a sense that he was trying to in a way do the right thing. 
yeah, in a way, you know, like that's the that's the, the that's the crux of that one right there. Like he sort of kind of was doing maybe something possibly that was almost correct. But it was like, fuck, man, like you just you, you can't. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it just goes into a, a much larger conversation about whether and I've seen Penn Badgley talk about this um, both on on Twitter and then in the various interviews that he's done. The, the idea of whether Joe is a redeemable character. Because it's not like in shows across you know media, we haven't seen characters who are just doing a ton of really evil shit, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're killing people, they're stalking, they're uh, looting. They, they're just doing all this terrible stuff. Yeah. And they eventually kind of loop around. And you know, a couple seasons later, you kind of see where they end up. A really good example of this is a uh, black siren or, or earth Two laurel in arrow yeah and how she starts out as a villain she starts she's bad and then just over the course of a, a couple of seasons she eventually makes that transition over and her character is redeemed she ends up on the right side on the good side and it, it, it with with seeing the stuff from joe early on it makes you wonder is he a redeemable character but i think the more you kind of explore when they when you explore that idea throughout season two no (laughs) i mean there's stuff in episode one that pretty much makes it obvious i mean the fact that he has the dude locked up in the same sort of cage or the same sort of box he had uh when he was when he was uh in new york yeah i mean that just just goes to show that you know for i think for him there are going to be some habits that are probably they like they're just they're just not going to they're just not going to die yeah they're too much of, of, of who he is. And it's not excusing it. It's not saying that it's okay, but you get to see kind of the trauma that created Joe. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was telling. I mean, it made a lot of sense. Like the, the, the whole thing with his mom and like, I don't even know if that was his dad or if that was a boyfriend. Like, I think it was a boyfriend. I, I don't think we see Joe's dad at all. I yeah. Yeah, but like that that really explains a lot, doesn't it? You know, like and like I it was both hilarious, but it was also one of the best episodes of the entire season. It was the one where him and 40 end up writing the screenplay on LSD. Oh, <laughs> like that was it was such a good episode because like one, like you see the that guilt is still weighing heavily on Joe. Like mm-hmm. just in general, just in life, like he keeps seeing the blood on his hands. And he's like, wait, did I murder somebody or did I not murder somebody? Or like, is this just the guilt finally catching up with me? But then like you see all the stuff with like his mom and like the flashbacks with that. And like, it, yeah, just like such a such a good episode. Was, yeah, that, I mean, I, I believe that that I believe that that was probably my favorite episode of the entire thing. And it is. And it's also crazy to think that. Joe and so many others, the lives of Joe and so many others would be forever changed if he had just been able to go catch that flight. Right. If he if he had if he had just been able to to leave at that point, you know, yeah. uh, uh, what's her name might still um, Delilah might still be alive. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing, though, is even if he had caught the flight, I don't think she would have been alive because I still think that love would have killed her. Pro- that, that's probably true. So wait, she was already in captivity by then. 
Yeah, because remember, maybe like, Fisher's, maybe remember he had put those time release cuffs on her so that, that by the time right. he was on the you're flight, right. she was going to be. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And like, yeah, she, OK, so she wouldn't have she wouldn't have survived. Yeah. And maybe and who knows, may, it may have ended up catching up to catching up to him anyway, just because 40s really seemed like he was hot on the trail. Like he, he was going to eventually get get to that point where he was going to be able to probably prove Oh hey, Joe did this. Joe is the reason that this this writer is dead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the thing that got me with the the whole forty thing, like, was um, what's her name? Um, I can't remember the first girlfriend. Uh, Candace. Candace shows up and she's basically like forty. Joe's a murderer, and forty's like forty's like nah, dog. And like then she gives him some circumstantial evidence, some stuff that really doesn't even point to him murdering Beck. And then he's just like, oh shit, you're right. And I'm like, wait, that's what sold you on this? Like, <laughs> okay. And like, I did like the kind of like flip flop that you got from Love and Forty was that like at, at first you thought four. 40 was going to be the one who was crazy, right? Like you, you thought 40 yeah. was going to be the one who was nuts. It turned out he was way more grounded than love was. And then he finds out that love's a fucking murderer too. Like, yep. yep. That, that Which, should, yeah, that, that blew, that, I don't want to say it blew me away, but I was like, I did not see that coming. That was, that was well done. That was really impressive. So that, that part I didn't see coming, but yeah. it did confirm like my, theory that i had going into season two as to like what the plot was and my because i went into it thinking love is going to do the joe what joe did to back like joe is going to in a in a sense be the victim in a in this in a way because love is going to be kind of doing to him what he what he normally does to others it turns out that i was i was right but i did not see the the 40 twist because i i didn't like 40 at first I was hoping he was going to be a really minor, uh, just kind of annoying character. Yeah. And like him having like these these moments of clarity, and then just like it, it was, I was, I mean, and that's just a testament to the writing. You you turn a character that is, for me anyway, was pretty unlikable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then and then you 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 find a way to make him central to the story, and also kind of boost his character in a way that you didn't really see coming. Well, yeah. And like, like tragic and flawed too. Like that, that was the mm -hmm. thing with him is you realize that he had these problems with substance abuse. And ultimately though, like, do you know whose fault it was? It was his fucking sister's fault because yep. think about it. Like what really sent him down the path of substance abuse in the first place. And it was the murder of that au pair that they had. Yep. Like her getting murdered by love is what set him off in the first place. Because, like, call it guilt, call it whatever you want to call it, but, like, that that really, really fucked him up. And it was – I don't know, man, because, like, I'm almost wondering, did love kill her first husband? I feel – I really think she did. Yeah, because think about it, too, man. Like, he said that he didn't want to have kids, and she really did. And then he got sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting to say the least. But um, I at, at that point when she was like, yeah, you know, I, I'll do whatever I can to protect those that I love. I literally was like, oh, Joe doesn't have to do anything now. He's good. Like, yeah. 
but because because he's fucked up too he doesn't want that he's like no no i'm bad wait am i wait no she's right. bad like it, it's, <laughs> it's it, they they really have done a very good job of of adding some some really interesting stuff going on here and like i cannot wait to see what they're gonna do with season three like it's i'm super excited to see yeah how this is gonna play out yeah and i mean who do you think is uh who do you think he was peeking through? Like who do you think is going to be on the other side? Do you think it's going to be someone that we perhaps have met? Is it going to be someone perhaps related to Joe? Cuz I mean it, it didn't seem like like the time they spent setting that up. I mean cuz it could literally be anyone. It could be insert new character or yeah. it it could be just somebody from from Joe's past. Or I just think it's going to be somebody new because like like here's the thing is like for it to be somebody from his past it would have to be it's like a one in a million shot like candace coming and finding him in los angeles makes sense because and she explained it like with the whole instagram thing and like him putting pictures up that that's fine i get that i'm I'm down with that that's that's fine but the issue ends up being for him to move into a house next to somebody else who just happens to be part of his past is the odds are like astronomical. So like, again, I mean, it's, it's possible because ultimately it's a fucking TV show. So it's whatever they decide to write, but like, are we going to lose realism with this? I mean, like at the, in the same point, I mean, like, I feel like the cops would have caught a real Joe Goldberg at some point like this, but again, we're in LA. So, and love has rich parents. So they kind of, like that's that's a trend we've seen with Los Angeles for decades now is that if you're rich and white you can pretty much get away with anything yeah basically <laughs> yeah so it'll it'll be yeah it, it'll it'll be interesting for sure like I, i'm yeah. i'm in though either way whatever the hell it ends up being i'm i'm totally down for this and i'm like i've i've be, this has become one of my new favorite shows to watch and I didn't expect it to be at all. It was kind of like um, Handmaid's Tale when Sandy first made me start watching that with her. I was like, eh, it'll be all right. And then like, I'm really into it now. Like, it's a really good show. Um, I kind of got out of it for a minute when I found out that Elizabeth Moss, the um, lead actress in the show, is a Scientologist. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Well, especially, too, because like she runs her mouth all the time and she's just like, though, this show is very woman empowering and I'm a I'm a symbol for that and yada, yada, yada. And people are like, but but you're a Scientologist and that's the exact opposite of what is good for women. And she's like, no, I don't think you understand because Scientology. And we're like, no, no, we, we understand. We've seen it. You're, you're wrong. And she keeps trying to fight that fight and everybody's just trying to call her on her shit. And she still is trying to fight that fight. So it's kind of a bummer that like yeah. somebody, who's, <laughs> it's a bummer that somebody that's in such a good show is such a, yeah. Yeah. It was just a testament to don't meet your heroes. You know, yeah, exactly. Just try to enjoy people for the uh, the content that they that they're they're good at, and as long as they're not doing something really, <laughs> really, really bad, yeah, just, just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, like it's the separating the art from the artist thing is is difficult, but yeah, I think I think there's levels to it. Yeah. Like that's not the worst thing in the world. It, it stinks, but like it's not like yeah, a game. It could be worse. Yeah, there, there are worse things that that she could. Yeah, uh, that she could be, or that any of the other people on that show could could be. Yeah, it's not like Kevin Spacey or or like Louis C.K. You know, like yeah. it's not, it's <laughs> not, it's not that bad. So, 
there is that. So, yeah, um, overall, like, I think we're both giving a resounding two thumbs up to season two and season one of you. So you guys should definitely check that out if you've never if you've never seen it. Um, But if you just listen to all this and we just spoiled the shit out of it for you. um, We told you. We we told told you. you. (laughs) (laughs) We warned you. You had time. You could have gone and watched it. Uh, let's talk about real quick and then we'll wrap up here. Um, let's talk about some of the other stuff that you're, you're watching, dude. Like, what are you, what are you watching on TV right now? Now that you have, I don't know, unlimited time to do so because we can't see people in person anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been really busy the last couple of weeks. And so now that it's finally March, I was like, oh yeah, I can finally like catch up, on, catch up on everything. And, yeah. you know, um, even watch some new stuff that I haven't gotten a chance to, to get into. So like just today I finished uh, the Sabrina uh, show on Netflix, the most recent part that came out, I think in like December ish yeah. or November, whenever it came out, finally was able to f- get through the, get through the end of that. And that, that was pretty awesome. Um, but I, I actually was able to put a little bit of a, a list together of things because I, I i do have a lot of stuff that I, I need to catch up on and with all of this stuff going on right now it seems like i'm gonna have lots of free time to catch up on everything and then some yeah so uh in addition to sabrina i'm gonna be catching up on uh my current favorite anime series i've mentioned it a bunch on ggr as is uh my hero academia which is in the middle of their third season also they're getting towards the end i think so be able to catch up on that. I'm watching a new anime called Hunter Hunter, mm-hmm. um, which is about a, a, a kid whose dad uh, like basically left to go be a hunter and like never came back. So now he wants to go follow in his footsteps so that he can go find his father. It's pretty good so far. I'm only a couple episodes in. It's pretty fascinating. Um, on my block, which is a show, another show that's on Netflix. Most of the my stuff is going to be uh, Netflix which is a, a show that, fo- that follows kind of um, a couple teenagers who are uh, growing up as friends kind of in their own little world, but also they, their their own little world begins um, impacting or becoming part of what's going on outside of their little world also. It's really fascinating. There's a bunch of characters of color on there uh, that are really interesting. And, and I like it because it so much of it reminds me of just like, when I was 12, 13 years old and like literally the only stuff I had to worry about was hanging out with my friends at school and what we yeah. were going to do after and stuff like that. So it's very nostalgic and, and very dope for me. And um, the last thing I have here is uh, Netflix also remade a movie from uh, my childhood. They, they remade the original Pokemon movie. But they did? They did. They, they remade it. They gave it a, a 3D remake. And I, like at first I was like, uh, I mean – remake whatever i I don't really care about watching it but most of the reviews i'm seeing about it is when they remade when they when they made the original version in 1998 i think it was 99 whenever that movie came out like it was very americanized and they they changed a lot of stuff about the about the plot so like in the original one they make mewtwo just this evil villain who just wants to just do all this bad stuff because that's like innate to him but in this remake that they made, it's more true to the original story from the uh, the subversion, not the the dub version that came out. The original subversion 
which has Mewtwo as more of instead of as more of this creature who's kind of unsure of his existence and like why he's been created and is just kind of confused and lost and like these people are experimenting on him and like it, it shifts the the narrative of the first movie from what I've been told. So I have that on my list of things I'm planning to to watch. Nice dude. Like I, I I've never been. Pokemon's one of those things that, like, even though I'm not a huge Pokemon fan, it gets, like, into your pop culture DNA, even if you don't really, like, actively pursue it. So I'll give you a perfect example. Not a huge Pokemon fan, but I watched um, the Detective Pikachu movie with my son, Jax. And we both loved it, but like we're watching it, and I'm like, oh, that's that po- Pokemon. Oh, that's that one. Oh, that's that one. Oh, that that one. Well, what does this one do, Dad? Oh, well, this one does this, and I'm like, how the hell do I know this? Like, because I never, I never really got into it, but like I knew all of that shit. So all of my nerdy friends out there who are big Pokemon fan, uh, fans, or like my little brother who used to go to the tournaments and stuff like that. Um, Same. Yeah, you guys, you guys rubbed off on me, so thanks, I guess. So. <laughs> Um, so as far as what I'm watching, like Sandy and I have been really, we watch a lot. We've been trying to finish up justified. We're into like season five now and there's six seasons and like, God, I love that show. That is just easily my favorite show of all time on TV. Um, it's just, it's so good. All of the seasons are on Hulu. If you get a chance, watch it. It, It's just really, really enjoyable. Um, or about season five. Uh, yeah, like into almost done with season five, actually Michael Rappaport is in season five. And like, mm. I never pegged Michael Rappaport for a good actor. And this is going to make me sound like an asshole. And like, <laughs> I, I might even like reach out to him I on agree, Twitter. Cause though. he's, cause he's got a big, like a big Twitter following. Right. But like, he's funny, right? I like him. And like, he's a cool dude. He has a lot of funny things to say, but like he plays a dude from Florida in this season. And like, I never pegged this dude with this like thick, like New York accent really to like be a good actor and like be able to really stretch himself but shit does he ever like he sounds like a redneck from florida and he's just really really good in this season and like just overall like all the people like Patton oswald is in one of the seasons and he's fucking good he's amazing like you see so many people that you've seen before and you're just like they're not gonna be a good actor and then they are like it's (laughs) it's just it's it's impressive it's definitely worth worth your time if you ever get a chance um yeah go ahead I was going to say, you know, uh, that actually might be a good podcast idea we could do. Uh, actors who we generally don't care for, but have that one like show or movie or even just uh, season of a show where it's like, wow. Yeah, exactly. I think that would that would be a good one. Um, another so. I just finished the article, right? I, I started it. Um, a few weeks ago where I did the first three movies in the Star Trek movie franchise. And it started because Andy Barsh, um, former GGR contributor, now comic book artist, did did like a guest spot for us and did an article about uh, all the RoboCop movies and kind of ranked all of them and discussed them briefly. I did that with all the Star Trek movies. And I just I realized how much those movies meant to me as a kid because I, I must have watched Star Trek two, Star Trek three, Star Trek four, like a million times when I was a kid and Star Trek five is like anybody who's a Star Trek fan can tell you that the Star Trek five is garbage. Um, but like, I still watched it and enjoyed it again. Like 
yes, the movie has a lot of flaws and it's really not that good. But like for me, it's super nostalgic because it was the first Star Trek movie I got to go, go see in the movie theaters because I was seven at the time. So all the other ones I was like, I, I didn't really get to catch in the theaters. I was too young. And my my aunt took me to go see it in the theaters and I and like her and my uncle had just gotten married. So like we all went together and like my uncle was still trying to like, you know, win me over. So like he bought me like the big giant tub of popcorn and the big giant soda. And like, I just have all these great memories of that movie because I got to go with them and like, we got all the cool stuff and they were like selling like Star Trek merch at the movie theaters. It was cool. And like, I got like a little enterprise, like, um, like not figuring. Cause it's, it was almost like a matchbox car, but it was the starship enterprise. And I had that thing for like, for years and years and years. So like, even though that movie sucked, it was still like super nostalgic. And I went through and watched all six of the movies and some of them really, really, really hold up. And like there, there's moments from each one of them that I like, I forgot how much I absolutely loved. So that was kind of a cool um, nostalgic trip that I took as I, I wrote about these movies. So Justified um, and actually on Hulu, you can catch pretty much all of the original six Star Trek movies. They're all on Hulu, I believe, if not like. Obviously, they're, they're, I think there's like one or two they're not, but you can find other means. I'm not going to tell you how to do this. It's called GGR Pirate Radio for fuck's sake. Figure it out. Um, but like, you can find them. They're, they're pretty much everywhere. Uh, as far as other stuff we're watching, um, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, occasionally we watch like King of the Hill if we're just looking for something like funny to fall asleep to, or like um, we watch. It, it was on ABC for for a while. I mean, years years ago. Uh, it was called uh, Cougar Town. It has like um, uh, Courtney Cox is, is like the like the lead in that one. And the name of the show is misleading because it doesn't really have anything to do with like old ladies, like going after young men. Um, but like it's still it's really, really funny. It's by the same people who did Scrubs. Oh, and nice. if you liked Scrubs, you'll really, really like um, Cougar Town. And it's there's a ton of like funny little inside jokes that we use around the house all the time. So good stuff in general. All right. But I mean, like, I think that's pretty much going to do it for this episode of Overflow on the Mic. Um, what are we, I, I can't remember what we were going to talk about on Thursday. What's going to be our topic for, for the next episode of GGR Pirate Radio? We definitely have to talk about on Thursday, like the coronavirus stuff, because like it has been really interesting to see the way people are reacting in general. Like I, I've, I've seen some I, I, one, you're seeing a lot of people really like step up and like say like don't risk it it's not worth it i know you guys are bored but stay home like you're seeing a lot of that but then you're also seeing the other side of things too which like for instance i shared this on my facebook this was from a uh, the the page is iowa gun owners on facebook so please go there and chastise them for their fucking stupidity but this is what they shared to everyone complaining that the media is making the coronavirus scarier than it is welcome to being a gun owner so first off uh, <laughs> Ugh. This is the stupidest shit that I've ever seen in my life because it, the media is not making the coronavirus scarier. It's making it real because it is and because it is scary and because people are dying of it and because irresponsible assholes are spreading it because they're just going around doing whatever the fuck they want. So wait, there's a correlation here. Wow. Holy shit. It's just like every fucking irresponsible gun owner on the face of the planet. Mind you, I'm a gun owner, but I don't go around taunting people and waving my weapons around willy nilly and talking about how... Um, oh, there's nothing that you can do because you wouldn't have been able to prevent this. That's the same thing that people are saying about the coronavirus. Well, people are just going to get sick, you know, whatever. It's it's the culling of the herd. This, this like, 
non-compassion, like no compassion whatsoever. Like, right. just completely devoid of any sort of feelings towards other human beings. And this just selfish bullshit narrative. Like, I, I, we, I think we got to talk about this. And like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> this sucks because we had this great episode. Now we're like ending it on a down note. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but like for for you guys, if you're looking for stuff to watch, if you're looking for stuff stuff to do, first off, we got a ton of podcasts to listen to. So you guys can listen to all of our nonsense all over um, the internet. It's on, we're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio, uh, we're on Stitcher, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, we're everywhere that you can get podcasts. But check out some of our old stuff, uh, whether it's GGR Pirate Radio, which uh, exists in the regular form, but also the diner when we're just having our roundtable conversations. Lots of cool stuff from Fantastic Forum, too. In fact, uh, Ulysses Campbell just reviewed Bloodshot. So if you're curious, once the coronavirus um, quarantine is over, if this movie is worth seeing, uh, check out his review. Um, but also, too, um, you've got The Overflow with MC Brooks. You've got yes. Mike on the Mic. You've got um, you've got Stop Me If You Heard This, which the Pearl Jam episode will be done this week. Like, I'm, like, almost done with it. Uh, in fact, I was working on it before we jumped on to uh, Skype here, MC. Uh, there is the old episodes of uh, The Geek Sheets you can check out. There's just so much yeah. stuff that you guys can check we, out um we we've been on a good little run as far as content uh, uh, recently all of our new all of our contributors new and old have been have been writing writing a ton of great articles we've been publishing i mean we've been publishing two podcasts a week for a while now so, i mean there there's more than enough to, to hold people over and then we're like we're still going to be doing stuff yeah there, there's so much uh audio that you can listen to there's a ton of stuff you can read on the site as far as um reviews as far as like opinion pieces there's just a ton of great stuff for you guys to check out and more importantly instead of just pushing our stuff and saying like oh check out all of our great things thank you for reading for listening for sharing like you guys are making a big difference you're the reason why we're able to go to awesome con this year uh, and that they invited us so i can't thank all the listeners and all the readers enough you guys are, are the best we really do appreciate you here uh at the great geek refuge so for mc for steve for myself uh, the three kind of pillars of GGR. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the third leg, uh, MC, is I can't go without making the dick joke. So for all, for all of us here at GGR, uh, my name is Mike Lunsford, and thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, guys, uh, don't be a juice bag. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. Network production juice bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.